0: What will I find in my travels, on my trip where the bricks turn red? Will I find more shocking reveals when I enter the house of the dead?
1: Nevermore will I be a lesser witch. She underestimates me, but I'll show her. I'll show her who the stronger sister is.
0: There is truth to be found and stories to be told for the voices cursed by silence. What for me will the future hold? on this path broken with violence? The
1: yellow brick road leads to the Emerald City. I thought the wizards would be powerful enough to stop her. I was wrong.
0: Stories to tell as I follow the thread with all my being and core. What will I find when the bricks turn red? Simply the truth and nothing more. From the wonderful land of Oz, this is Fiction Crime Time. I'm your host, Adam Farmer. I want to start off today's episode by clearing up a few things. Last episode, I interviewed Glinda, the Witch of the North. Since the interview was over the phone, why did I have to make the trip all the way to Gillikin City? Well, I had to follow up on a few leads. I wasn't sure if I could tell you without having controversial backlash, but after notifying the proper authorities, they gave me the green light to share what I found. I was tracking the paper trail left when Ebony was taken in by the Sister Ozma orphanage in Munchkinland. It turns out Ebony wasn't born a Munchkin. She was actually born to a Gillikinese family. They lived in a small town in Gillikin called Silver Meadows. When Ebony was only a very young child, possibly four or five, her house caught fire and her parents were trapped inside. Though they weren't the only ones. Evie, Ebony's sister, also died in the fire. Yes, she did have a sister. Evie was a newborn, only a few weeks old that may have been why ebony insisted that she didn't have a sister the memory was too painful to remember after the fire she was taken to the sister ozma orphanage in muchkinland the authorities had believed it would be healthier for her to be someplace other than gillikin so there it is ebony had a sister but she died in the same fire which killed their parents. So who left the message in the book and signed it Sis? It could have been someone trying to threaten Ebony or get inside her head. If that's the case, then it may have worked. Ebony wrote in her journal about trying to be the stronger sister, but her sister was dead. The forensics team found the remains after the fire and properly identified them. So who was posing as Ebony's sister? It could be anyone. But not many people knew about Ebony's background. She made sure to keep that quiet. But the OBI has assured me that they are watching out for any letters sent by someone claiming to be Ebony's sister. Now, on the other hand, the note could have been left by someone with the initials SIS as I initially thought, but I honestly don't know. I'll make sure to keep you updated as this develops, but folks, this is big. If we can find the connection between Ebony, this false sister, and Dorothy, we may have found the motive for Ebony's death but that's all I have about that. Feel free to share your theories on social media because I'd love to hear what you have to think about it all. But now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about Ebony's alchemy notebook. In the past few episodes, I briefly explained alchemy, but avoided going into detail because it didn't matter at that moment. Well, it does now. You see, the rest of this episode is going to be focused on Ebony Airwood's notebook, her research in alchemy. We'll jump back to this whole sister thing in later episodes as it develops. Now, as I said before, alchemy is a very confusing subject. It has aspects of science, magic, and philosophy. Alchemists study natural metals and how to transmute them. The most common form of transmutation is called... And I'm probably going to botch this pronunciation, so apologies. Chrysopoeia. This is where metals would be turned to gold. I wonder then how ebony was able to turn non-metal objects like an apple into gold. I guess I'll find out further down the road. But the most well-known and elusive goal most alchemists strive for is the Philosopher's Stone. This stone can transform metals into gold without the need of a transmutation process. It is also known by another name, the elixir of life. A solution for eternal youth, like the fountain of youth. Many alchemists worked their whole lives to achieve this, but none succeeded. There was one man, however who was rumored to be an alchemist and to have successfully created a Philosopher's Stone. He was a French scribe of Earth, who died in the early 1400s named Nicolas Flamel. The rumors of him creating a Philosopher's Stone started in the 17th century, way after his death. So, there is no evidence corroborating these rumors. but. I want to throw another wrench into this legend. Do I accept it as purely coincidence that Nicholas Flamel has the same last name as the alchemist who Glinda told me to visit, Isaac Flamel? I don't want to make any assumptions yet. I'll leave the speculation to you, but I do find it very curious. Other than Nicholas Flamel, There were no other renowned alchemists rumored to have created a Philosopher's Stone. It was so elusive to the point where it itself transformed from a tangible object to a symbol. A symbol of the highest level of enlightenment. Seemingly unachievable perfection which people continued striving for. It came to the point where the Philosopher's Stone became an alchemical myth. Like how King Arthur stopped being a person and became a symbol of the ideal king, the philosopher's stone stopped being a stone and became a symbol of full mental and spiritual enlightenment. One thing I hope this dive into Ebony's journal will reveal is which alchemist she was. Was she one who saw the stone as a myth and nothing more, or did she believe the stone was real? and achievable. Did she try to create one? Did she create one? I remember how Mare Bruinian told me that the night Ebony died, she was bringing him to her house to show him a new discovery. I can't help but wonder if, by some miracle, this new discovery was a philosopher's stone. Shoot, I just got chills. I'm not getting my hopes up, but hopefully Isaac Flamel can tell me more about this discovery she had made. On the trip back to Munchkinland, I look over the photos of the journal again. I really wish I had the actual journal with me to look over, but these photos are better than nothing. The journal itself is bound in leather. It has gold embroidery along the outside border, and on the center of the cover is a symbol printed in gold. The symbol has two upside-down equilateral triangles offset slightly from one another. These triangles are within a radiating hexagonal shape, and it is all within a circle with indentations on it. At the very center of the triangle is an outline of a hand, It is from the side perspective, with the palm open and facing to the right. I'll post a photo of it on Instagram so you can get a better visualization of it. I wonder what this symbol means. The hand seems to resemble the Vitarka mundra of Buddhism, which symbolizes the truth teachings of the Buddha. But traditionally, the thumb and index fingers would be touching, signifying the continual flow of wisdom. On the journal, the hand is fully open. Perhaps the hand in relation with the triangles and the hexagon with the circle may symbolize a certain transmutation process. It does sort of seem reminiscent of the ancient transmutation circles, but I can't be sure. I'm about halfway to Munchkin City when I get a phone call.
1: Hello there, Adam Farmer. I hope you are having a wonderful and pleasant journey.
0: It's Glenda, the Witch of the North, she must be calling me about the journal. In the last episode, I sent copies of the photos to her office in hopes that she could help.
1: I had a chance to look over the photos you sent over here. I'm no alchemist, and I'm a little bit of a dunce when it comes to chemistry, so a lot of it just went whoosh right over my head. I'm sorry I couldn't be much help. It's
0: all right. I'm heading over to see Isaac Clonell, so hopefully he has something to share.
1: Great! Right, that's a good idea! Oh, wait. It was my idea? <laughs> I'm sorry, look at me being all (laughs) absent-minded. Oh, before I forget though, as I was looking over the photos, there was one image that caught my eye towards the end of the journal. There were a bunch of symbols that I don't understand, but on the page was a drawing. Look at it and tell me that drawing doesn't look familiar.
0: I look through the photos, trying to find the page she was talking about, when the image hits me like a bus. How did I not notice it before? It was later in the journal, so I guess I gave up before I found it. It's a drawing of slippers. Ebony's slippers. It all makes sense. Ebony's slippers were silver. She must have done some transmutation to turn ordinary slippers into silver slippers. But why is it later in the journal? Turning something silver would have been an easier transmutation. She was able to turn organic materials like apples into more precious metal gold, so it would have been easier to turn non-organic things like slippers into silver. I look over the page for some hint of why this would be in this section of the journal, but there are no words explaining it that I can read. Everything's in a language I don't understand. The only word written that I do understand is, nevermore. Nevermore. The same word that was Ebony's password for her secret door. The same word she used when talking about being a lesser witch. Nevermore. There's also a symbol on this page. It's similar to the symbol on the cover. It has a radiating upside-down equilateral triangle with two intertwining pentagons. It is all surrounded by a circle with indentations on it. In the very center is an outline of two hands clasping each other. I'll put a photo of this on the Instagram page as well so you can see it. The clasping of hands is traditionally seen as a symbol of friendship. But what does it mean in this context? I hope Isaac Flamel knows because I don't have a clue. I make it back to Munchkin City, and after I greet some of the people I've come to know there, I go to the vehicle rental store and rent me a motorcycle. No, before you ask, that does not make me cool. I'm only doing this because it's the only motor-powered vehicle in Oz that I can legally operate without an Ozian license. And I needed to do this because I can't keep taking Ubers, not where I'm going. This way I have more freedom. The only downside is that I won't be able to look over the case during the drive, but I can deal with that. Luckily, the saddlebags have enough room for all of my recording equipment, the case file, and my other luggage. I packed life. After a night in a hotel room in Munchkin City, I packed everything into the saddlebags and put on my helmet. I drove off down the yellow brick road as the sun was rising behind me in the east. Yeah, I know. Wouldn't you want to see that in the movie? The road itself isn't well-kept. Why would it be? Most people use the main highway now. The yellow brick road has sort of been abandoned. I occasionally see another vehicle, mostly a carriage, every once in a while. But for the most part, it's almost like a ghost trail. Which is fitting. Because sometimes I feel like I'm chasing ghosts. Or the ghosts are chasing me. I feel that way as I entered the dark forest. I try to stay focused on the road so I won't start jumping at shadows, but I still remain on alert. Many creatures live in this forest, most notably the Kalidas. They are basically a hybrid of tigers and bears. Luckily, I drive through the forest without any issues, though it did feel like a very long drive. After I make it out of the dark forest, I have some time on the open road. I left Munchkin City early in the morning, and it is now coming along midday. There aren't many places to stop for food on the way, so I pull over at a rest stop to eat a granola bar I packed while I look over the map to make sure I'm headed in the right direction. Glinda said to drive until the yellow brick road crosses the Munchkin River. Before I cross, I need to turn off on a small trail to the right. After I make sure I'm headed in the right direction, I head back out. I see the river crossing in the distance, so I slow down to not miss the turnoff. But I don't see it. I pull over to get a better look. There are trees on either side of the road, so it's possible that I missed it, but as I walk along the road looking, I still don't see it. As I move closer to the tree line, I see a symbol carved into a tree. It's a diamond. Inside the diamond are intertwining pentagons, and within the pentagons is a hexagon. Splitting it all in half is a half circle on the right half. About five feet to the left was another tree, with the mirror image of the symbol carved into it. I wish I took photos of it so you can see, but I completely forgot. But I did draw the symbols out on my notebook for you, and you can find those with the other photos. I looked at the symbols and had one of my hunches again. I took a step in between the two trees, and I saw a path that I swear wasn't there before. The path was a narrow one, but I was able to navigate the motorcycle through, though it came to a point where I had to turn it off and walk it down the path. Eventually, I came to a clearing, and in the center of the clearing was a small cottage.
2: You must be Mr. Farmer. Miss Locasta told me to expect you. I hope you had no
3: trouble finding my home. You almost lost me at your protection wards where the path meets the road, Mr. Flamel. But luckily I noticed them before I gave up. I can't
2: be too careful, Mr. Farmer. don't want just anyone wandering down the path. And please,
3: call me Isaac. As long as you call me Adam. He offered
0: me some food, which I gratefully accepted. It was two o'clock and I haven't eaten lunch yet. We sat beside the fire, which he lit by simply touching the symbol on the floor
3: of the fireplace. That's pretty cool. Transmutation circle, I guess. Oh, you know a lot about alchemy? Not really. I just did my homework on the way here. Where I come from, alchemy is a mix of myth, history, and fantasy. So I wasn't able to get a lot of info.
2: It is sort of like that here too. You see, there are very few alchemists in Oz. It's sort of a uh, taboo here. The people embraced the magic and even made it a part of the government through the witches. But people were still scared of alchemy. They normally are scared
3: of what they don't understand. If alchemy was such a taboo, then how did Ebony Erwood become appointed as Witch of the East? How did they legitimize it so she could run for office?
2: I guess she simply impressed the wizard and the munchkin people.
0: We got through some small talk to pass the time while I ate, just talking about how he settled into this cottage, what he likes about this area, that kind of stuff. I then asked him the question that doesn't have anything to do with this case,
3: but I was still dying to know the answer. Are you by any chance related to another alchemist named Nicholas Flamel? Nicholas
2: Flamel. I haven't been called that name in many years.
3: Wait, you mean that you're Nicholas Flamel?
2: Nah, I'm just messing with you. (laughs) Though I understand why you would think that I am, if you truly did make a Philosopher's stone like the legends say, then perhaps you traveled to another world to live out his long life in seclusion. That would have made for a more shocking and exciting story point for your podcast. So you aren't even a distant relative of his? Sorry, not that I know of. My family has lived in Munchkinland for as many generations as I can count.
0: I guess it was just one of those crazy coincidences. But at least now we know. Now that I've satisfied my curiosity, I get down to the real reason I came to
3: see him. I'm sure Glenda told you why I came. I have these photos of a notebook I found in Ebony Airwood's secret lab. If it's possible, I need help figuring out what it all means, and if it could be related to her death in any way.
0: He looks over the photos, eyeing them very closely. I let him take his time with them.
2: This is interesting. A little startling, but... interesting. What is? Well, uh, to start with, the note she wrote in the beginning. We alchemists aren't normally driven by a need to become more powerful. It is ordinarily for enlightenment and to uh, gain a better understanding of nature. It's interesting to me that she was driven by the need to become more powerful.
3: Is that by chance related to the symbol on the cover?
2: No, and that's the shocking part. The symbol is a binding transmutation circle. Uh, The hand in the center is similar to that of the Vitarka Mudra though so the index and the thumb are not linked. The circle is a symbol used for many years in Alcyan alchemy, representing the binding of someone to their research or teachings. While the alchemist is alive, the circle will protect the research. Once the alchemist dies, the binding is broken. What is shocking is that this is a sacred symbol, but instead of a thirst for knowledge, it hides a thirst for power.
3: Can you explain a little bit more about Transmutation Circles? Do they come in different forms depending on what they do? Yes. Uh,
2: these are basically what allow us alchemists to do anything. Like the one I used to light the fire. Or uh, the one I use for my protection work at the beginning of the path.
3: One? Oh, weren't there two?
2: Actually, that particular warding circle is split into two halves while also being linked. It is used to hide the path between the two halves by projecting a normal visual image, thus completing the singular circle. There are many kinds of transmutation circles. Some of us put them on our bodies for quick transmutations.
0: I did notice the many markings and tattoos all over his body. One on his wrist looked like the same one on the fireplace. I guess he uses it to light his cigarettes, or in case he needs to light a fire away from home.
3: There's a particular page I want you to look at while I'm still here. The rest you can look over in your own time, and I'll return later this week to see what you found.
0: I showed him the photo of the page Glinda brought my attention to. You're awesome. As you can see here, there's some writing that's in a strange language. It's the only place in the journal she wrote in this language.
4: Yes, yes, it's uh, it's another way to protect our secret research. We write in different languages. But this one... Remarkable. This is a language that hasn't been spoken or written in centuries. It's the language of the ancients. Of a time possibly even before us. Do you think you can translate it? Let's see. Fuang Thul at futf. Yes, yes, I think I can. Um, it says, Friendship, a spell which binds the user to another, controlling their motives. Not a mind control spell, but emotion control. It cannot make people do something It makes them want to do it. This will show her. It will show them all. So she made that spell? No, no, not just that. Look, the transmutation circle and and these formulas. She binded the spell to an object or objects so that whoever had the object was the wielder of the spell.
0: I pointed out the drawing of the slippers. Would those be considered objects?
4: Yes. Sweet pastoria father of Ozma. Yes, they would.
0: Thanks for listening to Fiction Crime Time. This episode was written and narrated by me, Adam Farmer. It featured the voice talents of Michelle Lee and Mitchell Witcher. Go follow them on social media. Their links are in the description, so go send them some love. Also, be sure to follow Fiction Crime Time on social media so you can see the additional case materials. Look for us at Fiction Crime Time on Instagram and Facebook and at Untrue Underscore Crime on Twitter. Tweet at us with your theories and thoughts about the case or any good memes. We love a good laugh. And if we get enough of you to follow our socials, we will do a special Q&A episode where you can ask us questions about the case. So, go do it. A new episode will be released every other week, so be on the lookout for Episode 6 on March 16th. And, as always, remember that everyone has a story to tell. So, don't be shy. Go out and tell yours. Thanks again for listening.